You're listening to the Agony Column News Report featuring interviews, phone interviews, reports from live book events and festivals, and conversations with readers. You can find additional news, interviews, book reviews, and more five days a week at the Agony Column website at trashotroncom agony. I'm speaking with Sean Stewart here at SFNSF. Thank you for joining me, Sean. Thank you. Sean, you started out as a novelist, and your novels were really rather unconventional, even though they were tagged, I think, as science fiction. I think that's because nobody could think of a a better way to describe them. Um, Yeah, well, possibly. Some, Some of the books I wrote, I think, were were very science fiction or fantasy, and some of them not so much. Um, I usually write stories about uh, slightly impossible things happening to hopefully fairly possible people. Uh, Well, now that's an interesting uh, approach because one of the things I I really liked about your books was that they really did seem to um, uh, arise from within. They were... Um, even though that you had some of the uh, um, aspects of science fiction in them, they just really didn't seem like they were written by a science fiction writer. Um, I guess I've always tried to use the the moves of non-realistic fiction to try to body forth certain kinds of emotional or psychological truths to the best of my ability. I think there's a reason in Hamlet that Hamlet doesn't just sit there on the wall saying, wow, am I guilty and bummed. But in fact, his father's ghost says, Hamlet, I am thy father's ghost, doomed to a certain term to walk the night. You know, there's a reason why it's just better that way. and that's because sometimes those elements can give an emotional or a psychological truth a kind of uh, body and density and dramatic impact. Now, now, a- as a science fiction writer, now you, you've taken up a, a, a rather... A, you're almost... You're a science fiction writer in a science fiction setting, in a setting straight out of science fiction. Could you talk about how your experience... Um, I think working outside the box of science fiction helps you be better working in this new environment. And describe a little bit what the new environment is, just so people who don't know, know, don't know what you're doing have an idea. Um, several years ago, I got involved in a project originally for uh, Steven Spielberg's film AI. And uh, we ended up telling a story uh, which reached out to you every way it could. Uh, we had web pages with text on them. We had video clips. We sent emails to your inbox. We called you on the phone. We sent faxes. We had live events. We built the fiction out around you and had it come to you every human way it could. Uh, advertisements in magazines, uh, chess puzzles in newspapers, um, things embedded in TV commercials. Every way the story could possibly come to you, it, it would try to come to you. And for the last seven years, I've been working building um, that kind of fiction, um, which has uh, come to be a a subgenre called alternate reality games, or ARGs. 
Now, the ARG world is a, is a fairly intense uh, business competition. I mean, there's a lot of money in it right now. I mean, there's more money in, in video games, I think, than anything else. Could you talk about the collision between that hard-nosed, money-oriented business and, and you know, your aspirations to really explore the edges of art? That's a really interesting question. When something is really new, you have a lot of latitude to mess with it because even the client doesn't know what the hell it's supposed to look like. <laughs> so um, what we have been doing in both commercial and non-commercial contexts is trying to create a world and let people walk into it. When I was a kid, I grew up reading, for instance, the Narnia books. And so Lucy goes through the wardrobe into Narnia in The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, and you read all about her adventures there. What's cool about what I get to do is I get to take you to Narnia. You don't read about Lucy, you go there. And you're going to have the conversations with those characters and you're going to be part of that fiction. Um, when we're doing something in, for instance, a marketing context, so we did a big project called I Love Bees for the video game Halo 2. Um, what we were doing was building the world that in which Halo takes place. And we basically created a six hour long Casablanca style radio drama um, and surrounded it um, with this elaborate web-based story and let people actually walk into that world and become a part of the world. And what the clients are asking for in that context is they say, okay, make it, you know, Halo. But inside that, we've been lucky enough to be given almost complete free reign. So there are characters, there are stories um, that people live and love and laugh and die. Um, usually I, I have at least as much uh, latitude in any of my creations as someone working on a network television show would have. And as a, in terms of, of the environment, do you feel yourself like uh, under greater financial pressure I'm not sure how you mean the question. To be brutally honest, I get a lot better paid doing this than I get paid being a novelist. Um, <laughs> so uh, it would be very difficult for me to uh, pay my rent past a certain point being a midlist science fiction novelist. In that sense, I get to do more things that I like now. Um, can you maybe follow up on the question? Uh, sure. I mean, do do you, um, when, for example, if you innovate in some way to, like, you know, send a, a video email or, or, or an email that uh, allows the, the, the participant to be taped and that works out real well, do you have somebody, like, standing over your shoulder saying, what, what's, the, what's the next video email, Sean? Come on. What is it? No, not at all. No. We've had, a, we've had a lot of latitude. Um, and, like I say, nobody... Nobody the hell knows what we're doing. So when we've been lucky enough to be able to say, we're going to do this now, and they say, that's awesome. That will be good, right? <laughs> um, we ourselves, um, uh, right, right now I work with a company called Fourth Wall Studios, which I founded along with a couple of other guys um, who have been working with me since uh, the AAR project. And uh, we've had a lot of opportunities to try to 
grope our way to the edges of this new kind of storytelling. And we are constantly pushing ourselves to find out um, what works, what can people connect with, what makes it too confusing, what is a kind of story that is effective told in this way. Um, I wish I could tell you that there was uh, that kind of driving pressure, but in fact, I experienced that a lot more um, in a funny way when I was writing novels, because there's no money to promote novels, and there's no, mo no money to be made in novels, so you don't have a lot of freedom about what you're gonna do, except within the confines of your story, where if you're lucky, you can do whatever the hell you like. But you don't get to shoot full motion video as part of writing your latest middleist science fiction novel. <laughs> um, I, Walter John Williams has a novel that's coming out called This Is Not a Game, and this is a quote that uh, you spoke during the, uh, the session. Could you tell me a little a bit about um, your work with John? And, and uh, his novel is, is a, like a murder mystery set in your, in your world, and I'm wondering how you feel about that. Oh, I... I'm, I was worked with uh, Walter on a project called Last Call Poker, and uh, I, it was a delight for me to be able to work with him. He's a guy that I started writing back in the 1980s um, because I loved a book of his called Days of Atonement, um, and uh, I also very much enjoyed a series of books he wrote uh, under the charming title Divertimenti, um, there was one called House of Shards, which was a favorite of mine. So I wrote to him for years and years and years before I was even published. Uh, and he was always extremely kind to me. And uh, when we came to do the Last Call Poker Project, uh, I needed someone with an encyclopedic history of the Wild West, both real and fictional. And I knew Walter had all that stuff. So I leapt at the chance to get him involved uh, on that project. and. I'm delighted that Walter can uh, write books or make any use of that experience he likes. Um, he supplied us with um, one of the great taglines, I feel, in the genre. Um, uh, there's a, in that project, there was a stone cold killer. And uh, whenever he was about to uh, dispatch a victim, he would uh, pause and then look off camera a little to the side and say, that's a funny place for a canoe. And then the victim would turn around and the fatal shot would come. So Walter has entered that, I feel, truly deathless line into the lore. Uh, up, <laughs> it's still a little watchword in a very small circle of people to say, that's a funny place for a canoe right before something really bad's going to happen. Uh, could you talk about the the um, feedback between science fiction, written science fiction, and your work in the world of alternate reality games? Um, one of the places that alternate reality games have um, uh, found a natural home, obviously, is in in conjunction with science fictional projects, right? So the first alternate reality game was built for a science fiction movie by Steven Spielberg based on a short story by Brian Aldiss, the movie AI based on Super Toys Last All Summer Long by Brian Aldiss. Um, so it is not surprising that 
in a lot of the work that's been done in alternate reality games has been done by hardcore science fiction readers. And I personally have ripped off everybody. Um, I have pilfered from all the books I ever wrote and probably half the books everybody else ever wrote um, in trying to, to pull together fascinating uh, new worlds for people to enter. I find it really interesting that um, Walter John Williams, who's a, a science fiction writer, has written what is essentially a, a current day uh, murder mystery set in a world that, in the world of alternate reality gaming, that, that he actually helped create. Yeah. That's fun. I mean, if you scratch, if you give an author an experience, um, he will say, uh, if, if I go to a bar mitzvah tomorrow, um, I will sit there thinking, wouldn't it be cool if there was a murder? Or maybe a wedding could break out. This is what we do. And in every circumstance we're in, we try to... Uh, Michael Swanwick once said that authors aren't any more imaginative than anybody else. We just know a good story when we see one. So it does not surprise me at all that Walter, who has always had a fondness for murder mysteries, would uh, build one in the context of an alternate reality game. I've been speaking with Sean Stewart. He's the founder of Fourth Wall Studios. Thank you for joining me, Sean. Thank you so much for having me. You're listening to the Agony Column News Report featuring interviews, phone interviews, reports from live book events and festivals, and conversations with readers. You can find additional news, interviews, book reviews, and more five days a week at the Agony Column website at trashotroncom agony.